Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed they were at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me, and they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come into poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept on his neck. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Our second reading today comes from Matthew, the 15th chapter, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. But she came and knelt before Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. 
She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Everything is not okay. A toddler lies in a hospital bed after falling two stories out of a playroom window. A man in his 70s faces his fourth surgery in as many months. Teachers at a local high school are told before school starts that 45% of their student population this year will live at or below the poverty level. Opioid addiction has reached epic proportions, killing 91 Americans every day. Everything is not okay. 14 are killed in a terror attack in Barcelona, Spain. North Korea is an advancing and imposing threat to our safety. In Charlottesville, Virginia, American citizens marched carrying a Nazi flag. A 32-year-old woman is intentionally mowed down by a car. We hear her mother's voice beg us not to let her die in vain. Bullets fly daily in the streets of Chicago, hitting intentional and unintentional victims. Most assuredly, things are not okay. In fact, they are very far from anything even resembling okay. We have lost our moral center. We have lost our ability for civil discourse. In fact, we are just plain lost. It is no small irony, then, that as we turn to our scripture for today, we also run into people who are lost, who have forgotten the skill of civil discourse, who have lost their moral center, who are hungry and sick and afraid. What is a surprise in today's scripture text is that Jesus is one of those who appears to have lost his moral center, his ability for civil discourse. One who has allowed his own perspective to be just a little too narrow. First, though, before we get to the gospel, let's consider Joseph and his brothers. I know you remember them. A dysfunctional family, if there ever was. The product of two wives, 12 brothers, the 11th brother being Joseph, born as the first son to the favorite wife. It is a setup for sure disaster. And indeed, he is favored by his father and by his mother. He's the one that gets the fancy coat. And he thinks he knows everything. 
In fact, he is so bold as to tell his brothers that there will come a day when they will bow down to him. Now, come on, all you firstborn siblings, how does that feel? And for all you younger siblings, ooh, those are the things you want to say. But Joseph's brothers aren't just fooling around. They're playing for keeps. They decide that it's time to get rid of the pesky upstart who thinks he's all that, and so they plot for his demise. They're just going to kill him. Reuben, though, the oldest, he has just a glimmer of moral conscience left, and he says, wait a minute, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery, wipe sheep's or lamb's blood all over his coat, bring it to our father, and pretend he's dead. And indeed, that is what they do. These brothers are lost. They go home to their father and tell him of his favorite son's death. And Jacob becomes a broken man. In fact, they are all broken men. Everything is not okay. Life goes on. Years pass. Joseph spends some time as a slave. He spends some time in jail. And then, lo and behold, it turns out that he really does have a gift for interpreting dreams. And he wins favor in Pharaoh's court. There's a famine in the land where Joseph used to live, where his brothers and father still live. A famine for which they are not prepared because they didn't listen to Joseph. But the Pharaoh listened, and he is prepared. And so Jacob hears that the Pharaoh has all this food in storage, and he sends his sons and says, Go and plead to Pharaoh so that we might have something to eat. So the lost brothers are sent out to beg for food in Pharaoh's court, and lo and behold, the lost brothers find themselves face to face with the brother they tried to lose. They don't even recognize him at first. So sure are they that he is gone for good. Until a dramatic moment when Joseph sends everybody but his brothers out of the court and he reveals himself to his brothers. Can you imagine the knot of fear in their stomachs? Now I want to be clear here. Joseph is not all good. He has done some less than good things in his life, too, just as the brothers have done. They are all of them together, the sons of Jacob, the one who was renamed Israel when he wrestled with God. They, these 12 brothers, represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And they are full of human flaws. They have lost their moral centers. They find themselves in places where nothing is okay. But the point of the Joseph story is to remind us that God uses the good, the bad, and the very ugly in the work of building a kingdom. It is not Joseph who shows mercy, but God who shows mercy to all of them. It is God who meets their physical needs through the food the Pharaoh has stored, and God who meets their emotional need, their need for each other, their need 
to be reunited as a family. Everything is not okay, but we have just a little glimmer that it might be okay again. Everything is not okay for the Canaanite woman who is shouting at Jesus to have mercy on her. Her daughter is tormented by a demon. How can it be okay? A mother will do anything for her child, anything. And this includes shouting down Jesus in front of all the disciples. It includes allowing herself to be called a dog by the very one from whom she is seeking healing. It includes making a complete and utter fool of herself in the region of Tyre and Sidon where she lives. After all, she's not even a believer. She's not even a follower. She's a Canaanite. Remember back to the Old Testament? Avoid the Canaanites. They worship other gods. They're unclean. She is another a non-believer, one who the Israelites have been taught to avoid any connection with. And she is a woman, one who has been taught to be quiet and stay in the shadows. But everything is not okay. She, her daughter, is tormented by a demon. She cannot risk staying in the shadows. It doesn't matter what it means to her or for for her if she can get a cure for her daughter. That's all that matters. She is like another woman we saw on television this week, a mother who cried out in anguish, an anguish that touched all of us, a mother who cried out because her daughter is lost, lost at the hand of a white supremacist, and she begged us not to let her daughter's death be in vain. That mother shouted too. She shouted with all of us and at all of us, make my child's death worthwhile. And the Canaanite woman shouts, make my child's life worthwhile. And Jesus says, no. 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 Everything is not okay. How can Jesus say no? Jesus doesn't say no to casting out demons. He doesn't say no to feeding 5,000. He doesn't say no to healing a blind beggar. Jesus doesn't say no to his disciples. But Jesus says no to the Canaanite woman. He reminds her that he has come to save the lost sheep of Israel. Still, she persists. She will not go back in the corner. She will not sit down. She won't quit asking because we are talking about her daughter. 
And besides, it's Jesus who wandered into the Canaanite territory and came into her world, and she seems to know him better than his own disciples. She's the one that calls him Lord. She's the one that knows him as son of David. And when he says no, she doesn't turn around and run away in shame. She throws herself on the ground and begs him, Lord, help me. To which Jesus very coldly and callously replies, just not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Wait, what? Jesus says this? This is not okay. What have you done with my Jesus? Now, some commentators say that Matthew wants us to see the human side of Jesus. Some believe that his mission, his perspective, was indeed very narrow, limited to the lost sheep of Israel. Others suggest that perhaps Jesus is suffering from compassion fatigue. After all, being fully human encompasses grief, frustration, desperation, fatigue, love, compassion, indifference. Maybe Jesus is exhausted from the demands on him, and he thinks, this is one person I can say no to. A lot of us have trouble saying no. And what do we do? We choose a place to say no where we think it matters the least. No to the Canaanite woman. Who cares? She's not an Israelite. She's not Jewish. His no shouldn't matter. But it does. She accepts the status he gives to her, that of a dog, And still she begs. She begs because she recognizes Jesus as the one who has enough power for the whole house of Israel and beyond. She sees in Jesus an ability to extend beyond the house of Israel. She is not trying to wear him out. She is not trying to stop his mission to the lost of Israel. All she wants is a crumb A crumb. Just a crumb. Because a crumb will make all the difference. A crumb will make everything okay. A crumb will heal her daughter. Because even a crumb from Jesus has more than enough power to defeat the darkness of the demon overtaking her child. She understands in a way that no one has yet demonstrated understanding in Matthew's gospel that Jesus is not only Israel's hope, but Jesus is hope for the world. Her faith is so strong, her plea so eloquent, her reverence so sincere that even Jesus Even Jesus is forced to rethink his boundaries. He gives her a crumb. Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. 
and her daughter was healed instantly. Despite what Jesus may have started off feeling so strongly about, Jesus was forced to rethink his boundaries. He was pushed by her faith, so pure and strong, to reconsider his own ministry. And when he did, not only was a daughter healed and a woman, a mother, sent away to proclaim the glory and mercy of God, but the mercy of God found its way into another corner of the world. The mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting for those that fear him, those that love him, that revere him, that are in awe of him. The Canaanite woman was in awe of God. She feared God. She had reverence for God. And she and her daughter received everlasting mercy. Joseph and his brothers, the Canaanite woman and her daughter, Heather Heyer, and her mother, Susan Bro. Everything is not okay. Young women should not be killed in the streets of this country by those carrying the banners of a regime to whom this country has already lost a generation. Black mothers should not have to talk to their sons about the dangers of being pulled over by white police officers. Teenagers should not have to worry about where they are going to lie their heads at night. Children should not go to bed hungry or without health care. Not in this country. Not here where there is enough. There are enough resources and there are enough good people like you and like me to make a difference. There is enough food, enough shelter, enough medical care, enough money to make it okay for everyone. We just need to think about new and creative ways of doing that. Everything is not okay. And on too many days, that leaves me tired, and sad and afraid. And I'm willing to guess a lot of you feel the same way. But it will be okay. Everything can be okay, and it will be okay, because the stories from Scripture today are powerful reminders that no matter how dire our circumstances, they will not be our circumstances forever. God is, after all, always doing something new. The story of Joseph proves that. And Jesus, Jesus himself proves that when after saying no, he finally says yes to the Canaanite mother. There is grace and reconciliation. There is enough mercy for everyone. There is enough love so that we can be the light that changes the world. We just need to open ourselves to that love. We need to allow the mercy of God to fill us. We need to allow our lives transform to be transformed 
by the very one who has called us into being. Sometimes it feels like our love is not enough. And it's not. That's why we have to stay connected to the source of that love. We will be tired, and we will be frustrated, and we will be tempted to run away. Heck, all you have to do is push a button, and you can turn CNN right off. We will be tempted to push others away. And that's okay. Because God will show us over and over again that God's love is enough. God's mercy is enough. There is transformative power in that love and that mercy. And when we allow the power of that love and mercy to truly transform our lives, then, friends, then I tell you, everything will be okay. It will be very okay. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.